0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University.
1: Hello, this is Marlene Schwartz, and I am the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. And I'm joined today by Dr. Diane Ward, who is professor of nutrition at the Gillings School of Global Public Health at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Thanks for coming, Diane. It's a pleasure, Marlene. So, one of the things that you've been working on for quite a while now is really what I think of as the gold standard measurement of the childcare environment, and it's called the knapsack. Can you tell us some about
0: what the knapsack is and how it's evolved? Certainly, I'm very happy to do that. A knapsack, uh, spelled N A P S A C C, stands for Nutrition and physical activity, self-assessment for child care. And although it sounds like that it's mostly an instrument to assess things, it's really an instrument, it's really a program that includes an instrument that is meant to help improve the quality of the child care environment as it relates to the development of healthy weight in young children. The program, as I said, is a planning approach for change. It starts with a self-assessment, which has a number of best practices. The child care facility um, responds to where they think they are in meeting that best practice. Do they think they're pretty close to nearly there? Maybe they think they've done that, or they think this is an area that really needs more work on their parts. Um, the instrument assesses um, aspects of the nutrition environment, which might mean what they provide in terms of foods and snacks, what, how the staff interact with the children around foods, how the staff um, consume foods and drinks at the center, what kind of policies, what kind of educational programs, what kind of physical structures exist, So a center uh, will assess themselves on these areas, including uh, a component about physical activity. And once the assessment is completed, they sit down with a knapsack consultant. And this is just someone who's been trained to administer the knapsack program. And together, they make plans for areas that they're willing and able to work on right now. One of the important things is that the knapsack program is not designed to fix everything all at the same time. It's pretty overwhelming for busy people who are mostly involved in caring for our children. So they're encouraged to take a few areas that they're ready to work on and then together the consultant and the child care staff plan for how can we make that change so let's say that they decided they wanted to work on the kinds of beverages that were offered in the center Um, knapsack program suggests that we do not offer sugar sweetened beverages at the child care center that if we offer that our milk should be uh, reduced fat or skim milk that water should be readily available that flavored milk should not be served um, and that fruit juice should be held to a minimum really once less than once a week so once the um, child care center decides it's going to be beverages that they want to work on then they have to make a plan maybe they don't know whether their food vendor provides um, skim or low-fat milk in the sizes that they are are used to uh, purchasing some child care facilities actually thought it cost more have skim milk, so you have to um, educate them on, on some of the um, issues of uh, obtaining the products. Maybe they need to send out a notice to their um, parents that they're going to make these changes and why they're going to make these changes before changes are made. So there are a number of things that has to happen in the planning process, but together the consultant and the childcare staff. Um, evolve a plan. Um, We call it an action plan for change. Following that, there's uh, opportunities for getting more education about the topic of childhood obesity, about nutrition, physical activity, how to work with family, and about your own, the staff's own personal health. And these Workshops can be provided um, that would allow credit to be granted to the child care provider toward their certification as a child care provider. Following the educational period, um, the child care, the NAPSAC consultant. Uh, keeps checking back in, usually by phone, but sometimes in visitation, and just to see how the Child Care Center's doing, trying to meet their goals, trying to give them some support and guidance, reminding them of what their goals that they're working on, and really maybe linking them up if they're having some problems, what are some other resources. Following that, the final step of the knapsack program is just like the first step. Um, you, the center reassesses where they are identifies the next areas that they're ready to work on, and then recognizes important changes that have been made, and then they celebrate because it's very important to recognize that small positive changes are important, um, and it doesn't have to be huge uh, transitions in the childcare environment for it to be productive for our children. That's one of the things
1: that I like most about it is both that collaboration between the consultant and the child care center, but also really taking things one at a time so that it feels more manageable and then recognizing some of the challenges, helping the director figure out how to overcome them, and then sort of taking it to the next step. Now, I know that you started this work in North Carolina, um, but it's been picked up in other places. Can you give us a sense of where else um, in the country
0: They've used the knapsack. It's been very interesting over the years. We started to develop the program in uh, 2000, and we had our first uh, trial run in 2002. And since then, there's been um, a network of individuals who I guess the word has gotten out that such a program existed then we were able to find an avenue for um, dissemination so that all the materials associated with the knapsack program are available for free on a website. And since that time, there has been really tremendous uptake. There, there's a knapsack program in nearly every state uh, in the U.S. Um, some states have adopted it centrally they have taken it on uh, as an uh, as a program that is expected uh, in terms of um, their child care facilities or for their licensure uh, or their um, quality Rating standards. So different places have used it in different ways. They've used part of it. Sometimes they only use the self-assessment because that serves the need that they have. Sometimes they use the entire program. Sometimes they add small modifications that work uh, for their particular community. Sometimes they use it uh, integrated with another program. Um, for example, there's a, a one state. I think it's Massachusetts that likes to use uh, I Am Moving, I Am Learning, which is a, um, a program that was designed uh, specifically to help providers teach uh, motor skill development to children. And that program uh, uh, integrates very nicely with the knapsack because knapsack is really a planning model. It's not a curriculum. So uh, it uh, links very well. Recently, we have had interest uh, expressed in a few countries in um, a province in Canada is using the self-assessment for its purposes. Um, the some of the uh, Scandinavian countries and a and a region within the United Kingdom. So we're very excited to see the uptake up, uptake of the NAPSAC program.
1: Well, it also really speaks to its flexibility that it can go into so many different settings and be used in so many different ways. Um, when you all are working with child care centers to make some of the changes, um, what would you say are some of the more challenging changes for them to make?
0: I remember when we were first starting out and we had our, some of the earliest groups that were implementing the NAPSAC program, and they wanted very much to have a parent education program. But it was very challenging because they didn't have, um, there aren't a lot of good models to show what parent education programs should look like. The delivery of parent education is challenging at best because of the um, busy schedules of um, families when they're... Um, when they pick their children up, so there's not a lot of models. So I think one of the a challenging area has been trying to figure out how to provide education about nutrition and physical activity to parents. Um, sometimes it, the other area that we get a lot of concern about, and it it it's sort of one that has to do with most, both with history and culture, and 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 in with working with families, and that's in the area of uh, celebration foods. And it, you, one may think, well, f- what's the bother, what's the trouble? It's, it, children have birthdays, we have Fourth of July, you have Thanksgiving, those are good times to celebrate. And it's certainly true, it is good times to celebrate and it can work very nicely into the educational programs within a childcare facility. But what has been happening slowly over time um, is hurried families, busy mothers, um, childcare staff do um, with their choices of how to celebrate isn't developmentally appropriate. What we've seen are large cupcakes. Standard adults sometimes mega cupcakes, sometimes uh extra large muffins brought in for individual children, uh, places where they celebrate regular birthdays of the children you may find celebrations happening you know four times a month um, so when we are then providing what is fun food um, regularly it becomes it starts to um actually substitute for the filling children with nutrients foods and so they're eating more um, what would be sweets and low nutrient foods instead of uh, the, their food um, that would be uh, most beneficial to their growth and oftentimes it becomes extra food that seems to be not necessary for uh, their energy requirements. So, and we set a precedent that you need to eat to celebrate. And as we all know, most of us don't need to eat any more than we already do, and that we can celebrate in other ways. So, what we've been trying to do is offer ideas of how to celebrate birthdays, special events that are around doing. Uh, are making rather than consuming. And really that fits much nicer into the early care and education environment than than does having an extra pizza uh, or having um, some uh, frozen ice cream bars.
1: It's so interesting to hear you say that the celebrations are one of the toughest areas because in our experience working with school systems and trying to change the environment in schools i would definitely say it's the cupcakes that for some reason are the most emotionally loaded you know aspect of the of the environment but i love the idea of starting early starting in child care and teaching children that Celebrating doesn't always involve eating and it can involve lots of other activities. Can you just share maybe one of the activities that the centers have decided to do instead of handing out cupcakes?
0: Well, so let's say it's a birthday celebration. Then they might work on making special birthday hats. So all the kids now, and then the birthday boy or birthday girl gets a special hat. So they get to put special, you know, um, their hat gets a little bit bigger or they have a special opportunity to do. Or instead of bringing in food, then the parent might, might come in and um, have a special game activity. Or there's something where the children are creating or making something um, rather than consuming. Um, and so um, uh, creativity, activity... And engagement is really a lot better than a um frosting
1: around <laughs> <mouth. laughs> it reminds me of a story. I was at a meeting once here in the state of Connecticut with a lot of child care directors, and we were talking about a number of of wellness initiatives in child care and this this you know topic came up about birthday parties, and one director said that what they did, because they had heard from parents that sometimes the party at the child care was the only party that the child had, that they purchased boxes of, you know, Duncan Hines cake mix, and they Childcare would give the parents the cake mix and say, here, this is for your party at home. <laughs> so I thought that was a creative solution, but, you know, also a way to communicate to parents that there are ways you celebrate at home with your family. And there are ways you celebrate in a setting like a child care setting where there could be, you know, 20 other children who are going to be influenced by whatever choice you make. So I wanted to ask you about another initiative you've been involved with, and that's um, the First Lady's Let's Move initiative, and she's taken on many different settings where children spend time, but one of them is child care, and she has a Let's Move childcare program, and I know you've been involved in the website. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes, I'm going to talk about the program uh, itself as well as the, the website that supports the program, uh, the First Lady uh, is very interested, of course, in childhood obesity and looking at and for initiatives that could get the country's attention, both in terms of the settings where children are and really in the commercial enterprises that support um, children where they uh, play and, and learn. The Let's Move Child Care actually incorporates... Uh, a good number of the best practices that were developed in the NAPSAC program. Let's Move focuses um, more specifically, sort of on a narrower scope, looking at foods, beverages, uh, physical activity, screen time, and breastfeeding support at the Child Care Center. The program is really designed to get the attention of the child care community and the family community that it's important that children uh, are cared for in settings that offer an optimal experience in terms of the foods provided, in terms of the activities uh, afforded to them. And lending her name, lending the support of the White House, And the other thing that I think has been very important with the Let's Move campaign is that because of the First Lady's position in government, uh, certainly an unofficial position because of her statue, I guess, in terms of the White House, um, it has energized and um, allowed agencies to collaborate and work together and think of how they could take what they do as their regular vocation and how their work might fit in with another agency's work and how they might collaborate. And I think that um, is really a wonderful byproduct of the First Lady's campaign that will allow for sustainable changes into the very fabric of the structures that support Child care, whether that is in Head Start, uh, in um, agencies that support um, food services that, uh, that help um, in child care, whether it is parks and recreational organizations that might open up their doors uh, or, or other groups where child care has an early care and education where children, because if they're in care outside the home, someone's educating them in some way. Uh, And so they're important educational environments. And so I think having the attention that these are important settings. They're not just um, unimportant uh, holding areas until children get to the serious point of entering school. There's a lot of growth and development uh, and that occurs during these very formative periods may be more important than even once a, a child uh, enters the, the school system. So if, let's say, um, someone
1: listening to this podcast is a parent who has a child that's in childcare, and maybe they have seen some things that they think might be improved, is there Anything available, any resources for that parent that might help them learn about what some of the best practices are or think about how to approach the director of the child care center?
0: There certainly is. I would say that for our own work in terms of the NAPSAC program, one can go to uh, NAPSAC.org, N-A-P-S-A-C-C.org, uh, and uh, with uh, and our website, there are a whole list of best practices uh in the areas of related to outdoor environment, nutrition, physical activity, breastfeeding, and screen time um, and then with on on the um, one can google um, let's move child care and um, find the resources that are listed on the on the website for let's move and those would uh, are very useful. parents and I would say that for the interested parent begin to talk to their child care provider talk to the director offer to help talk to other uh, parents who are in your child care center try to garner some support if you find resistance Um, I'm hoping that most of the child care providers will welcome interest uh, on the part of parents sometimes they may feel a little bit anxious about it Um, But I think if we try to see this as a partnership, um, I want what's best for my child. This child care provider wants what's best for this child. And I think together... um, The two entities can collaborate and see maybe there's something that the parent might offer in terms of maybe there's an expertise the parent has and they'd be willing to share that. Maybe they have a friend with expertise who might be willing to come in and give some ideas about starting a garden at the child care uh, center. Um, maybe there's a uh, one of the child care centers with whom we 've worked has a wonderful way of getting more fruit into the hands of children, and that is that they ask the parents uh, on Monday to contribute to a fruit bowl, so they come in with a banana, an orange, an apple, a plum, a strawberry, some blueberries, and that becomes a source of um, additional fruit provided for the children that is then chopped up and provided through either a snack time or a meal time. But this is a way that the uh, individual family can contribute that might then um, make a benefit for that child as well as for the other children in the center.
1: So there really are a lot of things that parents can do. And I get the sense that even just in the last several years, that there's much more openness to, as you were saying, the importance of the role of childcare, much related, I imagine, to the First Lady's Let's Move initiative. But also, I think just to the concern about childhood obesity and the recognition that we really do need to start early, that you can't wait until kindergarten. And um, it seems that, that the people who provide the care, in my experience, are really very open and willing to try to make the center the best it can be, because it also allows them to then, you know, feel like their center has something to offer. And, you know, for, for large centers, it seems that they really want to be able to attract parents who are looking for a center that, that features, you know, such a healthy environment. So, I want to thank you, uh, Diane, for visiting us here at the Red Center. This is Marlene Schwartz, again, director of the Red Center for Food Policy and Obesity. You can visit our website at www.yaleredcenter.org, and you can also download podcasts from other guests that we've had. Thank you.